0: Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Shared Diversity Podcast. My name is Sina Portz, brand communicator, content artist and author. And each week I introduce you to an amazing person, story or message to help you empower yourself in your career and life. On here you can find exclusive interviews with successful businesswomen where we discuss topics around business, branding and womanhood. Today I talk with Asil Attar. She is an international businesswoman and she has been spearheading three major Middle Eastern companies. She has over 25 years of experience in the fashion, luxury, and retail space, and she has been named by Forbes Middle East as one of the top 50 international CEOs. She has also been named as one of the top 30 influential women in the Arab world. She's an ambassador for women empowerment and she mentors entrepreneurs in their business journey. And today we talk about why women are great business leaders and why you don't need to compromise your character or your womanhood to become a leader in the business world. She also shared her tips of starting a career in retail and what her success factors are for making it from the retail store to becoming the CEO of three of the leading Middle East companies. I really think you will love this episode And if you hear any quote or ideas that really resonate with you leave them down in the comments put a timestamp on so other people know where to look for it and don't forget subscribe to this podcast and share this with someone who needs to hear this because it really helps us grow this channel and let's get into this episode and if you'd like to see the video version of this or any other episodes go and subscribe to us on YouTube also follow us on Instagram Twitter and LinkedIn on Shared diversity and myself at sinaport so you can join giveaways and learn more about building a personal brand and career thank you thank so much for coming on i'm so honored really i have been stalking you online and i've seen a lot of, a lot of your content And talk with someone who has twenty-five years of experience in thirty, almost thirty. And yes, I, I just a long time. Yes, really long time. And um, I'm so happy to talk to you about a couple of topics: women empowerment, the business world. But first of all, for everyone, I will have introduced you already in the beginning. But could you sum up who you are in thirty seconds?
1: Yes so my name is Asil Attar and I've been in the business of fashion and luxury retailing for around 30 years now and part of my career was spent half of it exactly was spent as a creative brand director um, into the merchandising side and the latter half has been a CEO of luxury groups and so I'm a hybrid which is very unique because I'm both commercial and creative and in summary, I have a passion to leave a legacy. And so I'm very, very supportive of, um, you know, mentoring, emerging talent, um, sharing knowledge, leaving legacy.
0: That's beautiful. That's Thank you me. so much. So yeah. I wanted to ask about, because you talked yesterday about when we talked, you talked about this hybrid personality that you have, right? Yes. The creative side and the leadership and business and management side. So Mm. as a creative, did, did you feel when you grew up that you were more the creative person or were you more on the management side? Or did you have an understanding of this hybrid personality really early on?
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, I grew up in a very artistic family. So my family background is really a combination of engineers and artists and architects. So my father was uh, an engineer, my mother was the artistic and the sort of interior design. And so the hybrid of both of them actually as a childhood is what influenced me because my father sort of showed us, um, you know, structure and discipline. And, you know, he thought in that way. Uh, And my mother was the very artistic, innovative, very creative, Um, so growing up in a household, my sister is an architect and a really renowned artist. So, you know, when you grow up in a household like that, you're bound to pick up all of those traits. So I knew, I think when I was around 10 years old that I wanted to be in in the arts world or in the creative world, definitely, but, but had the personality and ambition to be more sort of in the leadership role as well.
0: So very early on. Yeah. That's very interesting. I had a similar experience, I think. So my father was really like on the business field, management, managing funds around the world. He was traveling around the world, meeting with business leaders and like networking. He's amazing in networking. He knows how to talk to a specific person and the way they speak. So not really code switching, but really like talking to the person he's talking Mm -hmm. to rather than... Yes, with full attention. Exactly. Yeah. And my mom was really the artistic person. She always, I think when I, in Germany, we have different parts of school. So we have Mm -hmm. a school where you go to when you want to be more in the artistic field, one where you go go to when you know you want to pursue business. And then Mm -hmm. one other schools where you can learn a bunch of things and yes we basically are prepared for going into mm-hmm. university into business world so I really wanted to do both but my mom was like don't you don't you want to go into the creative school I was like "Yes, I want to learn everything because it just feels like I would miss something if I would only focus mm-hmm. on one thing so it's yes. so close to my heart what you're saying yes so you're saying very early on you wanted to do creative and pursue your artistic side so what yeah what made you excited about the business world then?
1: Well actually I wanted to be creative but I was also an entrepreneur so I graduated high school when I was 15. I was highly ambitious and a lot of my uh, friends were always you know much older than me so at 15 years old they were graduating already and so I felt like um, what's going on I want to be with them you know and I was sort of very, very mature for my age. And I realized that in the American system, you can sort of gain credits and the more credits you earn, the quicker you can graduate. So basically I took a decision at about 13, 14, that I was going to work all summer, do my IB and overload myself for, you know, 16 months straight and work really hard so I can graduate. And I just literally had no summer vacation, no break. And I just locked myself away and studied really hard because I really wanted to start university. So I, you know, I joined university when I was 15 years old and everybody around me was of course so much older, but I, I fit in because like I said, you know, I, I had that sort of, and then my ambition when I reached university was American university as well. I'm like, Hmm, My friends are graduating again and they're starting their own businesses or getting jobs. How do I do this? So I did the same again and then I graduated with my bachelor's at 18. So, you know, I was very ambitious, not just creative, and then uh, set up my own business actually at a very young age. So, you know, being an entrepreneur, my father's an entrepreneur as well and seeing that. So, you know, that was very early on. It's uh, so I did both from the get go. You know, I studied, I, I graduated, but then I immediately started my own uh, business as well.
0: That is mind blowing that you finish university at 18. I think most of the people will start university. Starting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. So how did you find really yourself? in that age because with 15 I imagine a lot of people are still figuring out how to deal with puberty and how to deal with all of the ideas that come up and what they want to pursue so usually it takes for longer for people when they graduate later to figure out themselves and what is authentic and what is fitting to them so what has been yeah. your journey to really finding out who I you are? I mean, started? for me, like I said, when you're so heavily influenced as a
1: child and you're, you know, surrounded by two, my, my parents are my greatest influence in my life. You know, they were my biggest, um, you know, my heroes, my mentors. My father, you know, taught us, uh, you know, about humility and charity and we'd watch him do the most incredible things very quietly, you know, and he was a pioneer for solar energy. So he was incredibly intelligent man at a, you know, at a time I'm talking the seventies. So he taught us, um, you know, when, when you're working with solar energy and the power of nature and the environment. So, you know, we learned a lot from my dad on that side. And then from my mother, it was about, you know, um, etiquette respect, you know, being refined, um, values. Uh, she was a very empowered woman. I mean, she, you know, they, she, I mean, both of them left them at least when they were 15 and 16, and they went to the States. And so, you know, I mean, I'm talking back in the fifties, you know, they got on a bus, got on a plane. My father got a scholarship, ended up in, in University of Southern California. So, you know, they, they very much were our heroes from all, all of my siblings, you know, we learned so much from them and grounded by the values that they had. So when you have that, you, you sort of, um, and it, you know, we, we were traveling a lot because of my dad and, I guess, you know, going different cultures, different places, you know, experiencing bullying, fitting, not fitting, all of that really shapes you a lot younger, earlier. It's not, you know, we we didn't really, we weren't born and stayed in a specific country until we were sort of teenagers. We spent most of our childhood traveling. So you learn to kind of fend for yourself and you learn to be a lot more global. So I think in turn that makes you definitely more mature. So that's why you're sort of absorbing so much more. So at 15, I was pretty, I mean, I wasn't certain of um, my career path, but I was definitive that I wanted to sort of study the arts and, and, you know, have my own business. And because that's what I was surrounded by as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was much more mature. Really. I really was. I mean, at 15, I, I behaved, spoke and acted like a, 20-something-year-old, you know. Do you feel
0: you lost, like, the years of figuring out, you know? No way. No (laughs)
1: way. Not at all. Not at all. You know, actually, while my, you know, my peers of my age were really trying to figure it out, you know, I was in university. I mean, I figured it out, sort of, you know. So I don't feel like I missed out, you know. On the contrary, I think I gained by now that I know what I want. So how do I go ahead and do it rather than wasting the time trying to, you know, um, and I've been very decisive. I'm one of my greatest leadership traits to this date is decision making, you know, I'm incredibly decisive and don't procrastinate. So I will take major decisions very quickly. They're informed, but you know, but that's just because of the nature of the person that I am. So
0: I really want to go into that because I think for a lot of people there's and I myself have the same problem I really have to fight procrastination not in a form of I don't feel like doing something but yeah I don't see the result straight away and I know I have patients problems and that's a big part of it so I procrastinate on doing something because I feel maybe there's a better way to do it or Mm -hmm. this way is gonna take too long and people are already ahead of me in this field so what are your most influential tools that you have in your pocket to really make decisions and not procrastinate? I mean, I think,
1: of course, through maturity and experience, it makes your decision-making, you know, quicker, of course, because you lend it to the fact that you might have done that over and over in different roles so that you have the experience, which is why you don't need to waste that time. You know, you've done it, you've, you know, you know the outcome, so you go ahead and do it. But of course, I think a lot of it has to do with confidence, you know, and intuition and risk taking. You know, a lot of people are risk averse and without risk, you're not going to learn, right? I mean, for me, I've always um, led organizations or worked with my teams and they know that it's all about taking risk. Mm -hmm. you know how are you going to progress how are you going to make a difference if you're going to stick within that and waste that time thinking about it too much of course there's a lot of things you you do especially you have to weigh the 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 consequence of your actions right Mm -hmm. if it's not you know detrimental um then you you know I always encourage it because that's the way you learn right I mean you know it might go great it might go bad but if it does either way you're learning so It has that confidence, I think, has a lot to do with it, right? And self-belief, you know, believing in in your ability and your capability and not spending too much time doubting your decision. Um, Because a lot of times if you're spending that time, then there's got to believe in yourself there's a reason why you're thinking the way that you want. There's a reason why you want to take the decision that you have. So there's a level of confidence to have to make that in the first place, but it's that final step that you think, yeah, I'm going to do it. And if, you know, that's the point where I'm saying you just need to do it because what's going to happen. Like I said, you're either, it's either going to be wonderful or either going to be a learning for you as opposed to, Oh my gosh, this might, you know, um, I, I might fail, or you put these negative connotations, build around it, and then you're psyching yourself up as opposed to thinking, I'm going to learn, actually. Even if it doesn't work out, it's a learning, so you move on. Life's too short.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, that's very Yeah. I had this thought this week where in the past few weeks and months people are talking a lot about privilege, and I feel mm-hmm. apart from the obvious privilege that comes with systemic institutions. Um yes. Social status, gender, race, yes, nationality. One privilege that I feel is a, has a big part to do with your upbringing mm-hmm. and the fact that you have access to belief. So yes. I believe I believe belief is a big privilege because whether that is believe in yourself or believe yes. in t- that anything is possible if you put your mind to mm-hmm. it that's a big part of my journey where I felt this factor belief made a big difference in my life because even if there are some downturns or what people call failures, if you have belief, you can always come up and out again. You can find ways you can be persistent in, in what you're pursuing. So that belief privilege has a huge role to play. And as you say, confidence and belief was a big part of, you're in. becoming Yes.
1: I mean, for me, belief is Iman, right? I mean, for me, I have a tremendous amount of faith. Mm-hmm. Faith is what guides my every decision. So for me, my checklist is, it is linked to my faith, which links to my values. So that's why I have that confidence, you know, because I know it's very simple for me, my, my methodology, if it's halal, if it's right, it's right. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. And you know, there's no human being on the planet has not got that in them now it's your choice whether you do something right or wrong but you have the coding and you're you know intelligent enough to recognize so it's that belief system in me you know that makes me always you know make sure that I'm on the right path and every decision I make is literally linked to that you know is it the right thing no matter how big or small I've never compromised I've walked out of huge senior roles I mean huge roles because my values just did not um, you know uh, align with the organization because I have a very very firm foundation you know so for me belief is not just believe in myself but it's the faith that guides every decision and I think when you put your hands in in that sort of you know a powerful belief system then that gives you that support right that greater support which in turn gives you that confidence because you know mm-hmm. you know you know somebody has your back and mm-hmm. and you know within yourself you can go to sleep at night Knowing that as long as you know it's intent, right? I mean, you know, in Islam we talk about intent, so if your intent is pure. Mm-hmm. um it helps guide everything right I mean that's the most important thing so these decisions that you procrastinate your intent is your intent is you know when you make a decision is never to hurt a business make a bad decision hurt somebody your intent is to do a good thing now whether it's the right thing or that that's that's by default will come out naturally you know but I think you know when we talk about belief it's an sort of all-encompassing uh system yeah, yeah. It's
0: just all parts of of your work yes. life. So I want to talk a little bit about your journey. So you were the first female CEO of three leading Middle East groups. Yes. So yes. yes. Lab, yeah. Can you tell us about your journey and what has changed from the beginning to really progressing in the height of your career in the fashion retail space?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, it's hard work. I'm always saying, you know, people look at the outside and they think, you know, mashallah, you've achieved this and you're a winner of that, and you have this award. And I'm always reminding people, you know, I worked incredibly hard. You know, these were not handed to me on a silver plate. You know, I worked, I've been working 16 hour days, 17 hour days for 30 years, no weekends. I work exceptionally hard I've, you know, I've only had maybe two holidays in my 30-year career. I'm talking about, yes, yes. So, you know, I have put a lot of effort. Yeah, I don't have, um, you know, I look at people and say, well, where are you going on your summer vacation? I haven't had that for 30 years. I don't, you know, I mean, it's my, my, I've worked and put a lot of effort and therefore my journey has been, mixed, you know, it's, it's been with challenges. It's been with amazing highs, incredible opportunities, but also lots of different obstacles, you know, moments where I've not had the greatest of bosses and I've made, made feel very, very, you know, um, like, they, you know, broken, you know, you endure, especially as a, as a female, you know, in, in a, in a world that is very competitive
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that very few senior executives are women, So there's a lot of, uh, you know, challenges that come with that, you know, and so from the insecurities of the people around you, so you face a lot of challenges, but then every single time you have to get up and and continue and you, you know, you have that end goal and that end goal, you can't let others uh, hinder your progress. You know, and if you have that ambition uh, and drive, then you're going to want, you're going to achieve, but it doesn't come easy. It comes with really a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, discipline, uh, just, you know, a, a lot, a lot of effort. So that's how you win the roles, you know, that you get is because you win them based on merit and experience and knowledge. And clearly when I, when I landed the CEO roles, you know, in these three companies, Um, I was in a room with another 15, 20 male CEOs going for the job, you know, I, I got it because I was the one that had the most knowledge or most suitable fit. Um, and, and they were lucky that I was female because then I come armed with, you know, a whole bunch of other skills. Um, but yeah, I mean, you gain those roles because of work, hard work.
0: Hmm. That's what I actually wanted to ask you. So why, in your opinion, do you think women are great business leaders?
1: Yeah, I think we are built with empathy, which is, you know, a remarkable tool. Um, and we lead with emotional intelligence. You know, we, we think with our heart and then we act with our head, you know, it's so every thought that I make is uh, it's not cold cut. Right. Because I'm thinking always as women, we think, you know, who is it going to affect? Uh, what are the consequences of this? You know, how's it going to impact the business? How's it going to impact my team? Da, da, da. So we, we always, you know, we, we are multitasking. Of course, we have the ability to manage our homes and manage our business. And then we also have a heightened emotional intelligence. You know, I'm incredibly connected to uh, my businesses and my teams. And I'm very open, very transparent. Um, that's how women are. And so, you know, we, we, you know for me, it's people first, and then profits, because profits are the consequence of people, right? So it's always been that. And I think when you speak to women in, in leadership roles, they'll all say very similar things, that it's about the empathy and the approach, right? It's very considered, uh, whereas, you know, male uh, sort of psyche is very factual, right? It's very direct. You're, they're not considering the sort of ripple effect of a decision, uh, and those are the key differences. Yeah,
0: and you can see that a lot in politics as well, in political leaders nowadays. Yeah. Um, exactly, crises, and how they. Yeah, and we've
1: them. seen some incredible examples, you know, from the situation, you know, in in New Zealand and how they've managed it, and incredible, right? I mean, really powerful, uh, strong, very strong. You know, and another woman that I'm always looking at is Margaret Thatcher. You know, to me. She was a phenomenal, wow, what a leader. You know, she it, it's an amazing story because she'll, you know, she'll do her thing in, in, in the parliament, but then she'll be a wife. She'll be a mother. And then, you know, she'll have all of these different, uh, but, but leading a, a nation, you know, whether people liked it or not. She was one of the strongest leaders, you know, that they've ever had. So you see in time how, yeah, they have a different approach. We're yeah. very strong as well, but we just do it with mindfulness.
0: Yes. yeah mini break please don't forget to subscribe to us here and on youtube and rate and review the podcast on itunes because it really helps to get the content to the right people so they can build a personal brand that is true to who they are and if you have anyone who would love to hear this episode please share it with her because there's nothing more valuable than hearing someone say i really truly believe this episode was made for me and i was meant to hear it so if you can be part of someone's moment today inshallah share it now, let's get back to the episode. This podcast is about business branding and womanhood. And I feel our conversation is already in this like sphere of this. Yes. And, and the mixture of it, because I feel there's so much strength in womanhood. Not in a way yes. of saying you have to be strong as a woman, but there's this inherent strength and also leadership when it comes to women exploring their full selves and not saying, I'm only this, I'm only suited for this role I think women are so multifaceted that we don't need to choose and pick but we can really try and figure out how can we use our skills from you know being a wife being a daughter as well um, Mm -hmm. to being a businesswoman and business leader and yeah and for a lot of time when When I was studying, there was this whole wave of new feminism and figuring out, um, you know, keeping parts of your womanhood away because it looks like it makes you weak or it looks like, you know, this false sense of freedom. Um, Yeah. You're only free when you are like the men. But there's so much strength in, like you say, exploring your womanhood and exploring that in the business and leadership. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, I'm definitely not a feminist. I, I despise that word. As a matter of fact, you know, one of my greatest assets is being female. So when I, you know, when I walk into a boardroom, uh, people know people know my trait, and I expect men to get up. That's it. I'm, you know, I'm in the room, and I expect out of courtesy, you will get up. And, you know, you will open a door for me and you'll open the car door and I expect to be treated absolutely. I've never worn a pantsuit. I've never worn, you know, a shirt and a jacket and a pair of pants. I've always been incredibly feminine in the way I dress. Um, You know, I love my jewelry and my pretty dresses and my high heels and my whatever it is. And I refuse to conform to this, you know, I, and I don't understand when I see these you know, a chief successful woman sitting around or walking around with their, you know, gray pants and their white shirt and and trying to be masculine, whereas I'm completely the opposite. You know, I want to be treated like a lady and respected like one. At the same time, I have a voice and an opinion. And it's, it's, you know, so this concept of, uh, and for me, it's never been about men versus women. Mm. I absolutely don't agree with that. You know, for me, it's an equal partnership and, and I'm not, it's not us against them. So when I'm often doing sort of talks on women empowerment, um, I always say the disclaimer at the front that, you know, that I'm not interested in having a conversation where women are just going to be talking about men, this and that, and we, you know, that why aren't we, and just moaning and groaning about it. That's not my interest. My interest is we're credibly equal. I always invite my husbands to all of my talk, my husband to all my talks. He's a huge part of my life and my anchor. So, you know, for me, it's very, very equal. And I work incredibly well with men. So, you know, I don't have this, uh, that they're better than us. And why can't we have these opportunities? You know, I'm always saying to women, you can.
0: Yeah.
1: You, you can you just have to work hard and you'll, you know,
0: yeah.
1: you'll gain the opportunity. Yes, it's harder. And granted, it's a small percentage of executives that have those roles. But then it's up to us to start, strive and make the difference. That's yeah. the thing, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, you know, I've proven it time and again, right? Time and again that you can achieve, but you just have to put out, you have to really work hard. That's really the bottom line scene, you know, but it's not, it's not this battle. I, I hate that this battle of men and women and feminist and this extreme, nothing extreme is natural. You know, everything in life is a balance, right?
0: And, yeah. Yeah, very true and it doesn't mean that you only have there's only one role or only one idea of womanhood that exists that you should comply to right no one is defining it for themselves but it's just defining it for yourself and not in comparison to a man or to another person so yeah yeah. it's realizing your own potential Exactly. And going really deep into that. And then it comes back to being authentic and figuring out who you really are and understanding yourself. Yes. This from someone else's expectations or opinions. So I want to talk about role modeling because one of the things that you believe is in is surrounding yourself with the best in the field. And yes. I know for myself, I think my life changed when I changed my environment and They're saying, you know, the four or five people you spent most time with, they reflect who you are. And I really think that that is true because the people you surround yourself with, their traits and their values and their behaviors and their ideas become your own just by matter of Mm -hmm. closeness. By natural, yes. Yeah, naturally. So I wanted to talk about how do you find a person that could be a role model and what is the difference between a mentor, a friend and a role model?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, like you said, I've always surrounded, well, there's two things, right? There's my uh, mentors in life, right? And then there's my mentors at work. For me, my mentors throughout my career have been direct and indirect so one of my greatest mentors was Muhammad Al-Fayed for Harrods, which might surprise a lot of people because, you know, there's the press perceived him in a very different way. But for me, I, I got the privilege of working directly with him. And, and he taught me about the power of communicating with your teams. You know, every single day, um, one of the greatest things I've ever learned. I mean, I joined Harrods twice in my career. One as a salesperson, when I started my career, from ground zero. And then second time as one of their merchants, one of their buyers. And the first time as a salesperson, every day, when when he was in town, he would um, walk the floors with his directors, all five floors meet 3000 people and know everybody's name. And we would be standing to attention every single day, hoping that he would come to our department and spend that few minutes with us. It meant a huge amount. You know, as a salesperson for me, it meant a big deal to see my chairman, you know, take that time. And then we'd we'd watch him and he would, you know, stand and meet everybody and spend time with the customers and give lollipops to the kids. And he was fully engaged. And for me, that was a huge impact, you know, in my early twenties and as a salesperson to have the opportunity every day, twice, he'd do that twice. And, you know, going five floors and 3000 people twice a day, that's a, you know, so that's basically all day long. He's just walking the floor and making sure that everybody's happy. His customers are happy and speaking to his directors, he taught me how, you know, being on the floor, being with your business, being connected, remembering people's names, little things that he would do, like, you know, his his cookie jar or his the lollipops or the sweets, all these little things I'd watch and I think that's pretty amazing, you know, that someone was so connected to his business. And then he would leave the room supercharged. You felt like a million dollars, you know. And then I had indirect mentors, you know, in other businesses that taught me what never to do. So they weren't, you know, I was working directly with him. So he taught me a lot about experience, like Muhammad Al-Fayed, about brand and experience and the magic of, you know, branding and what makes something unique. At the other hand, I had some mentors who, you know, were indirect. They were my bosses and they taught me, wow, I never want to be like that. You know, I never want to talk to people like that. I never want to act in the way, you know, I never want to feel like you ever made me feel And so that for me is also a different kind of mentorship because of every journey, you know, mentorship is not for me just a scheduled uh, once or twice a month that I find somebody, you know, I'm always saying to people, of course, that is a traditional mentorship. You know, you find someone that you can connect with that gives you a structured feedback that, you know, you can have some uh, open discussions with, et cetera. But at the same time, mentorship comes from everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can, you, the rock might be an indirect mentor for many people, right? Because you're, you're listening and you're really being inspired. And that's the key. It's being inspired and feeling positive. I think that's the role of a mentor and that's why I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you have to have a mindset that you're both learning, right? Uh, for me, I'm always, you know, coaching mentors when they mentor and I'm saying to them, you know, it's not about you just talking at someone about your experience it's a lot more to do with you listening and then learning and then really you know it takes a lot of effort right mentorship takes a lot and it's a two-way conversation whereas typically you know mentorship sometimes sways into one side you know you're, you're with that mentor and you're you know okay you'll ask the question they'll be talking at you with their experience but it's about your experience how you're going to shape they're trying to shape you to become the best version of yourself and i think also uh, often it's misconstrued because you think you, you find a mentor and you think i you know i i have so many people approach me every day you know and it's humbling because they'll say things like i you know can you mentor me i desperately want to be like you and i will go back and i say you know sure of course you know i'd love to mentor you and whatever but you've got to be the best version of you yeah. <laughs> You, you, you know, and that, that's, you know, the, the biggest challenge between a mentorship and mentee that mentees have to understand you have to be the best version of yourself. And when you understand that, then you can achieve. But if you're desperately trying to be that other person, you know, the reason I am today is because of the life journey and the circumstances that have allowed me and you have to find your own path. Mm-hmm. and your own journey. And then that will lead you to be the best, maybe not the CEO, maybe, it's, but the best of what your potential is. Yeah. So that's sort of in a nutshell, what mentorship, and I mean, friendship is confidence, right? You're, you're my confidant. You're the one that supports me and doesn't judge me. And you're there no matter what through thick and thin, like they say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, throughout my career, I've had very different kind of mentors, um, and it's been very interesting, very interesting. But it's shaped the way I mentor as well today.
0: Yeah. That's very interesting that you say there are direct and indirect mentors. And I feel that's so important. So I'm currently writing a book on personal branding and figuring out your talents and how to put that into a package to bring to the world and really become the version that you want to be. And mm-hmm. one part is role modeling and the fact that you cannot be what you cannot see. And mm-hmm. there's role models and mentors everywhere. You just have to look you can also yeah. be mentored by science and by, you know, mm-hmm. how nature works. You can yeah. be mentored by historical figures that don't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, of course. You can be by um by uh, fictional characters as well so you just have to be open and keep your ears and eyes open and also there are things that you learn from context right i can Mm -hmm. observe you going about your way without you telling me what you're doing and that is already modeling for me how i want to be or in other cases how i don't want to be and Mm -hmm. that is such an important part where people have to be more Active in pursuing mentors on their own and listening and doing the work, like you say, other than, yeah. than just leaning back and saying, "I just want to hear what you have to say, and then I'm mm-hmm. going to figure out if I want to apply it or not." That's not how it works, right? No, it's not. And a lot of people
1: think that is how it works. Okay. Um, you know, so there is there's a commitment for both, and there's a lot of effort goes into mentorship. You know, huge amount. So, you know, I think they they maybe misinterpret mentorship for coaching as well. Coaching is very different. That's a whole other take, you know. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at mentorship, it's really people that are insp- inspirational to you. So they don't have to be, uh, you know, a specific physical, you know, meet, encounter structure. I'd, I don't believe that. I think you can do it through indirect mentorship as well.
0: Yeah. I want yeah. to uh, finish up with two things. One is, Any career tips that you have for young women who are starting in the fashion retail space, especially in the current situation, what do you want to give them on their way?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say that basically make sure that you're going to be working really hard and learning a lot of the first part of your career is listening and learning because you don't know. My husband's always saying, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And as ambitious as you are, you don't know half of the things. So, and and that's really, and and you continue through through an entire career, no matter what phase you're in, you have to understand that it's a constant learning, that you will never get to the point where you can sit back and say, I know it all. Because if that day happens, that's the day where that's, you know, it's downhill after that because you have to be open to constant learning and you have to be open to critiquing as well because you know you have to listen in the first part of your career criticism is always harsh because you take it personally and as you mature you recognize that actually good or bad it is constructive and so therefore really listening to that constructive feedback really taking it in Mm -hmm. uh, is a huge part of it and also to recognize that you are the one person stands in your way. You know, we spend a lot of our time thinking, well, I didn't get this because of that and he didn't allow me. And, you know, I've always been in this position because I've never had this, uh, I can't, you know, get this salary raise or I can't get this new promotion. Or if you spend most of your time talking like that and putting your energy in that, then obviously you're not spending enough time putting your energy and actually learning and then evidencing because truly you do get that career path like I said if you're working incredibly hard and it shows leaps and bounds right Mm -hmm. and then find yourself an amazing mentor directly or indirectly you know everybody needs to be inspired and I think that is incredibly important now more than ever there's so many people that have now lost their jobs have been furloughed uh, have no idea of what to do next they've always been used to this consistency you know they've been in a role maybe for so many years suddenly they have to be innovative suddenly they have to become entrepreneurial we discussed that yesterday not everybody is built like that and therefore that becomes really challenging and people get very um you know they it, it's it's a tough place to be right now so i'm always saying that you don't have to have the right solution nobody has the right answer but the most important thing is you try
0: yeah
1: right and you're not, stop judging yourself and saying, you know, I can't do that because I've never done it.
0: Mm. I don't
1: know if I'm going to succeed in that. I'll just continue looking for a job. You know, you have to try and you'll surprise yourself and really maybe go for the thing that you've always really wanted to do. This is like the opportunity when, yes, it's really tough, but maybe this is also an opportunity for you to live the dream that you desperately wanted. And you sit at your desk and you're like, God, I wish I was doing this. Maybe that's the time when you're actually, you know, going to do that. So, yeah. So really have faith, keep your spirits up, you know, have that self-belief and confidence. And, you know, that will take you places, definitely.
0: Yeah. And especially right now, I created this video called um, How to Grow Your Career During a Crisis. And the mm-hmm. big part that you're saying is to keep, be flexible and also build your personal brand because right now it's a time where you can show what yeah. you're capable of, what you're made of, what's, what's your skills, your experiences. Yeah. And when avenues yeah. open up, people are going to say, we need someone here that has your experience. You know, you have done this. We are exploring this. So come on. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to hire you. I want to get consultancy from you. So you just have to build these brands in these times and not really yes. the structures you have been relying on because yes. these are slowly crumbling um but one of the things is i love that you're saying is criticism the harsh criticism is often the ones that hurt and where you just shut your ears and you don't want to hear but it's so important and you don't need to think about how the criticism is voiced it's more effective and also who it comes from because there are some people who want to put you down Um, They don't Mm -hmm. really care about you succeeding. And then you might not need to listen to that part of criticism. Take it, don't take it personal and and let it out again. But listen to the ones that you really know who want to be part of your success. And and you're
1: lucky if you get criticism, you know, I'm always saying to my teams, the ones that I sort of focus on the most and push the most um, and really like critique a lot and push them to the edge because I know they can. And so again, I have a disclaimer and I said, you know, if I focus, if you see me focusing on you specifically, pushing you, driving you, making you do it better and again and again and again, those are the lucky ones because I'm really giving you a lot of my attention and I'm giving you really great fact, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that I have no time for and that you never see me with are the ones that I know they're just not you know, uh, have the investment, they're not going to take my time and all of my value, because I know that they're typically not going to do anything with it. So therefore, you know, absolutely, when you get that proper critiquing as harsh as it is, you need to listen, because they're actually doing you a favor. You're very lucky if you get critiqued, you should question when nobody critiques right that's what you should be questioning how come nobody whether it's good or bad how come nobody is critiquing me and yeah you're, you're smart enough to recognize those that are doing it just to you know cause negativity uh, but you're also incredibly smart enough to realize that those that are you know brutal conversation is fantastic you should encourage it and you should if you don't get, get critiqued you should request it mm. you should ask you know, you should constantly be the one to say, you know, what do you think of this? Did I do it right? What are your thoughts? Can I do it better? How can I do it better?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it takes a lot out of a person to then do that because you don't want to hear, but you should, because that's going to give you, I mean, that's invaluable really.
0: Yeah. yeah. And over time you get, you make it less about yourself and you make it more about how yeah. to grow. So it, it really exactly. Comes Exactly. Okay, last question. is actually a question that you can ask the audience. So what we do is anything that we talked about, that we discussed, we want to hear mm-hmm. from the audience what their viewpoint is so they can leave it down in the comments. So what's your question for the listener? So
1: my, my question to them is how are you seeing this new phase that we're going through? What is it that I'd love to hear the innovative thinking that's happening? You know, perhaps we have some budding entrepreneurs who've done something that they've, you know, they're kickstarting now, or perhaps somebody has had this concept brewing for years and suddenly has the opportunity. So I'd love to know how people are using their time. You know, a lot of people in the first phase of the pandemic spent a lot of time educating themselves. So many people went back and did, you know, master classes, short courses, you know, read a lot more and invested in their knowledge. And I really would love to see, you know, fast forward six months. How has that now surfaced? You know, what is what is it today that you're doing? And what is the opportunity that you see in today's new world? That's my question.
0: Beautiful question. So leave it down in the comments and share your diversity. And I want to just thank you so much, Asir, for coming on. No,
1: it's a pleasure, Sina. Really great to be here. Thank you so much for hosting me.
0: And thank you for st- taking so much time. I want to know, is there anything that you want to share with the audience? Anything that's coming up that they can be excited about? and check- Yeah,
1: I mean, what's coming up hopefully in the next four to five weeks is my new um, online platform called Turban Thinker. So it's where I'm going to be hosting, you know, like yourself, talk shows, podcasts, editorial, um, you know, and there's a dot com part, which is 30 of my favorite brands over the years that sort of champion sustainability. So we're working really hard on this new chapter and I'd love you know the audience to all check it out when we release it. So it's Turban Thinker, turban-thinker.com. So that's in the next five weeks and I'm excited about it. Amazing. And I'm glad to be hosting you on that as well.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too to get on there. And I will leave the link in the comments below as well. Brilliant brilliant thank you so much Sina I really hope you loved this episode leave down in the comments what is your answer to Asiel's question and don't forget to subscribe to this channel don't forget to check out sinaport.com I'm launching new products on how to start your personal brand and how to start a podcast to support your personal brand so if you're interested in these kind of things just check it out I'll leave a link in the comments below and as we talked about brand building I'm also sharing my guide to start the right brand below don't forget to like and subscribe and share this video with someone who needs to hear it and i would love to see you next time inshallah until then assalamualaikum